You are now listening to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. It's uh, very important to be with conscious African women and men. And I'm very excited to see Conscientization 101, to see Sister Zari there and the brother James and uh, to see that you have started an organization to conscientize the world, especially African people about what's really going on in this world. Conscientization 101. A lot of these people right now in this conscious, local conscious movement, they're not actually living in that, in that lifestyle. Bakers. That's why, you know, obviously yourself, we're on the same sort of frequency. That's why you're listening to the same things I'm listening to because we're sharing that same sort of thought. We want the same sort of things and a lot of people don't want the same sort of things. Even yourself, what you're doing now is for the people. So everything is people-based. Globally conscientizing. What's making me proud of what um, this kind of connection here is that, you know, no matter what is said, no matter what is done, um, you, you leave that, you leave listening to our music with a feeling. The same way we're going to leave this conversation with a feeling. And um, that is the most important thing you know, for, for I and I, the, the vibe and the energy and the feeling that you leave with. Because you might not remember every lyric, but you're going to remember the feeling. So um, that's, 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 that's really important and that's what I'm getting from what you're doing. Doing, doing, doing. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Conscientization 101 podcast. I am your host and managing editor Zari Sundiata and today we have a real special treat for you. We will be airing part one of a two-part series from Dr. Bobby E. Wright entitled Dr. Bobby E. Wright, The Man and His Mission. This dialogue from Dr. Wright was presented at the Black Psychology and Mental Health Conference at Atlanta Junior College on April 10th, 1980. And we first became familiar with Dr. Wright from Brother Wise Intelligence, and subsequent to that, we heard it on his music, you know, and subsequent to that, we heard about him from reading works from Dr. Marimba Ani, Haki R. Mahabudi, Dr. Amos Wilson, Ezra Aharon, and other serious African Center scholars. And we actually currently have a book from Dr. Kobe K.K. Cambone on our latest books category, who studied with Dr. Wright. So after hearing so much about Dr. Wright, we naturally looked for his works, and um, luckily, Third World Press publishes his book, The Psychopathic Racial Personality and Other Essays. This book comes in at a mere 38 pages, which is literally super concentrated Conscientization 101. It's a lot of profound insight 
compacted in just a few pages. So it's a really good read. It's an essential read. And if you haven't picked it up, you can go and pick it up in our library. And you definitely need to do that as soon as possible because it's an essential read. Unfortunately, we lost our brother, Dr. Bobby E. Wright, on April 6, 1982, at the age of 48. And besides this book, it is very hard to come across his other published works. And fortunately, we did come across this presentation that you're about to hear on YouTube. And the audio-visual quality wasn't the best, and it was split up into multiple parts. But what Dr. Bobby Wright was putting down is very important. And just as we did with the Dr. Amos Wilson's talk, we wanted to um, digitally remaster this in our own special C101 way so that we can continue to preserve um, the information and talks that, you know, people put down for us. You know, it's really important that we keep that type of information and we keep this type of works and um, audio um, around for people uh, to hear. And if anybody has access or you know of anything that Dr. Bobby Wright has written, please contact us and let us know so we can spread the word. We will definitely do that. And before we get into part one of this dialogue with Dr. Wright, we wanted to share a brief vitae about our brother. First, from Third World Press publisher, Haki R. Mahabudi. Bobby Wright, genius in honest search. How does one measure greatness? There are few black men or women today in the right place or position, asking the penetrating questions and demanding answers and corrective actions to the racial situation in the United States and the world. Generally, black people are viewed as pitiful pawns in an international game of control and manipulation. And our worldwide misuse is, is an accepted byproduct of business as usual. The loss of Dr. Bobby E. Wright is magnified a hundredfold because he was the constant swimmer, the energized professional, the concerned and loving family man, the Garvey race man, always a step or two ahead of accepted theories masquerading as insight and knowledge. Dr. Wright was a man who had fought to get to the right place, not only to ask the right questions, but to demand and force the right actions. It is true that we do not recognize greatness among us. Our me measurements of importance are genuinely faulty and speak mainly to the superficialities of life. Where one lives, the type of clothing one wears, the car one drives, the number of bodyguards that one employs to carry bags and open and close doors. Dr. Wright cut through dishonesty with a passion. As a clinical psychologist, he understood the mind of an enslaved people. He knew the mental state of a people caught in a world stolen and remade for Europeans. His view was that the high African standards that gave the world civilization were now confusing or non-existent. Dr. Wright was a visionary with standards, values, integrity, and convictions. In essence, he was a man who valued African traditions and culture. He died in the prime of his thinking. He was involved in honest search. His presence was a stabilizing force for a people who had recently become anchored to video machines and sightlessness. He understood the power of ideas and was constantly cutting through nonsense and mediocrity. His concern was for the widening distance between the haves and the have-nots, the job givers and the job seekers. Bobby's love was conditional and selective. 
He had been burned often by the call of blackness and brotherhood. His work more than most in his profession is a telling indictment of white world supremacy. Through his multidimensional approach, he recognized and gave us a way of dealing with this evil. However, Bobby could not talk as fast as he was thinking, even though he often tried. It seemed that his mind was always rushing, going jet-like from idea to idea, leaving most people on the bus of a wasted Western culture. He was fire and energy, thoroughly original, possessor of a monumental mind in a sea of lobotomized small thinkers. He focused and unsettled us. In his short life, he seldom spoke of his own future. He knew of a death worse than personal physical passing, that of a people unaware of their own promise. Dr. Wright was a thorn in the brain of black men and women posing as leaders. And many of them, he diagnosed a deep personal dishonor that disqualified them for their trusted positions. His last words were a warning to his friends and associates. Watch the leadership, especially those proclaiming their God-given answer to the problems of black people. He was a fighter within the eye of the volcano, a listener in the midst of the hurricane, a lover unafraid of giving tears or laughter, a scientist seeking bright and moving mo moments, a deliverer of truth within the truth, a tree displaying roots and beauty, a good and honest man carrying wisdom, carrying future. It is an honor to publish him. Haki R. Mahabudi, publisher. And now from Easter O. Wright. Dr. Bobby E. Wright was a black psychologist so labeled not just because he was both black and a psychologist, but because he used his education, training, intellectual knowledge, and skills always in the best interest of black people. He had a philosophy of commitment, accountability, and service to the black community. Indeed, his life was one of love and dedication to the liberation and race vindication of all people of African descent. To this end, he wrote, lectured, and taught as an active participant in the black liberation struggle. Dr. Wright was born in one of the oldest all-black communities in the United States, Hobson City, Alabama. He attended both elementary and high school there. His grandfather was one of the founders of Hobson City. These events undoubtedly contributed to his positive self-image and race consciousness. His professional career was outstanding. He was a truant officer, a teacher, college educator, social psychologist, mental health administrator, clinical psychologist, researcher, consultant, author, and computer expert. He was known locally, nationally, and internationally for his technical skills as well as his commitment to the progress of black people. He believed in the sanctity of the black family and his dedication to his wife and son was exemplary. At the time of his death in 1982, Dr. Wright was director of the Garfield Park Comprehensive Community Health Center in Chicago. Under his leadership, this mental health center, which now bears his name, became the largest totally black-controlled freestanding mental health center in the United States. Long live the spirit, memory, and inspiration of Bobby E. Wright. Easter O. Wright. What you just heard can be found in the introduction section of Dr. Wright's book, The Psychopathic Racial Personality. 
And without further ado, we are going to get into part one of Dr. Bobby E. Wright, The Man and His Mission. But before we do, we want to let Wise Intelligent tell you a little something about this space we call Conscientization 101. There's an empty place beside me. I'm the victor, so I figure Can't a mirror paint a picture clearer Ain't no cross-dressers from my era Job pretenders or no Caitlyn Jenner's Y'all chopped my antennas Otherworldly was my early lyrical communications They were spacious from the places I received initiation So in basic conversations I was flying over niggas' heads In layman's terms, I had to chop the dreads To check the game and rap boss's bed Crimson trace on his face Shot off his head we call that murder aside. Don't make me bury a child. I'll be here for a while. So prepare for me now. And be ready when the shit goes down. Mag pull 30 rounds. That's enough to go about. Mad fools, many clowns. Crash pulls class down. Drop a jewel, give a bow. Stevie Wallace, nigga, do the knowledge. Never hating, but the space requires patience to be great. But nominated rap's greatest, most underrated. And that's gotta be the greatest fucking understatement. You wonder why we lacking as a nation. Y'all be acting like we crazy when we saying rap is more than entertainment than some crackers came and changed it. Now all your rappers say the same shit. Make a meal, pop a pill, throwing up some gang shit. Running from the cops, but other black skin you bang with. This space hurt, excuse my fucking language. It's like a famous, far from what the game is. Name on the same list because your favorite rapper know me. You think I rap like your little homie. But I'm his progenitor, veteran, been at war My whole race in a hurt space, I ain't bitter or Bitchin' bout a rap rep, listen, I'm a rap rep Trentin' to the fullest, spittin' bullets, better backstep Do it in the name of love, Machine Gun Kelly AR but not the ball, pissin' on your daughter's belly I'm the truth like Billy, you niggas sound silly When you say you love the niggas, but got no love for your women See your niggas hug and kiss em, see your women duck and diss em How the fuck you don't feel em, they the mothers of your children The only thing appealin' is the cap through your ball cap Whole head snapback, knocking off a snapback Fuck it, let's just say liberated from the crack trap Go home, flush his crack packs, hack into his pro tools Erase all the whack raps, the ever hoover music On the overused track tracks, that's that, scratch that I'm almost ready, hurt like a bullfrogger Call me Herukechi, slap a cracker if I have to like Sarasu and Seti, while these rappers making cake Just to date Lord Debbie, I'm with Sekhmet and Stetwi Running devils from Tymeri, and I'm hot Serengeti No, I'm not sparing lefties, you know righteous racist liberals who won't Speaking but detest me, call the cops, hope they arrest me Turn my sunny day gray, I be more like Freddy Say fear for his life, to justifiably get me Hold on, wait a minute, let me, address the space correctly Devil Shun got his Serena, transvestite wins the SP Seem like nothing in this space, is here to serve and protect me So I study Amos Wilson, and convey it to my children Dr. Bobby Wright was right, Mentasidas in the building Exit into B.F. Skinner, overwriting what your will is If we control resources, we can turn poor kids to killers Even though we engineered it, they would never think to kill us So we can keep convincing half the poor, the other half the villain And they can do our dirty work, so we don't have to 
kill him. The nature of the space is race related. No opinion, decimated, melanated. Corpses forced in graves and prisons. Young black voices drowned out by this all lives matter sickness. See, this space is so systemic. It's endemic. Anti-blackness is inherent. It's for parents planted this way. That's apparent. Dr. Bobby E. Wright summarizes his principles, his philosophy, his life's mission, his hopes, and his faith in the strength, inevitable triumph, and reascendancy of African people. For those who never had the opportunity to meet or hear Dr. Bobby E. Wright, this presentation will serve as an introduction to the man and his mission. For those who were fortunate enough to have known Bobby, this will be an opportunity to remember, to be re-inspired, and to be rejuvenated by their old friend. Asante Sana, Abari Ghani, brothers and sisters, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You know, sitting listening at the other two, two presentations always influences me to somewhat uh, modify minds, especially since we went through that two to the force of, uh, can you? We went through that two to the force uh, Jenny did of uh, mental health centers. My, my uh, position is the exact opposite of, of Jenny. I'm very unique, and I hate to be one of those who say I'm, a, I'm the only one, but I'm probably the only black in this country, who is over an all-black comprehensive mental health center. There's only one we've been able to identify, and that's Garfield Park. Of the 750-some uh, centers that are in operations now that were designed in, in 1963, primarily for black people, only one in this country is an all-black center. Yet there are hundreds of all-white centers, all-white comprehensive centers. Not only is Garfield Park all-black, the staff is black, and I'm in, a, I'm in a community with 118,000 black people. We have approximately 96,000 face-to-face contacts per year, 96,000. So when I talk to you about behavior and all, it's coming out of some type of background because the majority of our people in Garfield Park are from Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, and places like that have southern backgrounds in, in, in the city of Chicago. Also, by the mere fact that I, I'm also unique in another way in that I grew up in an all-black town, not 100 miles from here, uh, called Hopson City, Alabama, which my grandfather was one of the founders of, one of the oldest black towns uh, in this country. It doesn't have the reputation of a Mount Bayou because uh, one of the problems we had as we were growing up that we uh, always had a problem with was becoming known. Uh, we didn't want to become known, and for many years I've never wanted to become known. In fact, it's not well known, but... Up until 19, up until about 1975, was the first time I ever consented to speak in front of a, a mixed group. In front of a mixed group. The tragedy, read, I'm telling you this because I'm going to talk to you as psychology students or behavior scientists, black, because there's only one fight left, just one, and that's for the fight for the black mind, and we are losing. We are losing. You see, because if you stop to think about it, some of the things I'm going to show you, and then we're going to give some solutions. Today I'm going to tell you some things that you will reject, but that we can do and that uh, and that we should be about doing they're very simple things something you can do in your day-to-day life the first thing you must recognize is as a black student as a black student you have uh, a responsibility that I just cannot tell you what it is I mean it is so awesome but yet you are no different than a Palestinian student students your age in Palestine are carrying guns and, and uh, from uh, Palestinian students Israeli students your age Jew students your age are carrying guns in addition to going to school Carrying guns. Students who also had to go to school had to carry guns. All we're asking you to do is what? Go to school. (laughs) And you are carrying guns. But against the wrong people. 
You're carrying guns, unfortunately, but against each other. Now, that 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 becomes what we, what I deal with is the difference between what we have. By going to the University of Chicago and being trained there, and as Harold said, it's a difference between education and training. It is impossible. And I will say this to you openly, it is impossible for the Georgia school system to educate black children, but they can train you in those skills we need. Your education must come from the black community and from black people. There's a difference between education and training, and that's where I want to start this off with, because a lot of people get confused about that. In Alabama, with all black teachers, they not only, they taught me how to think. Not so much what and what to think, but basically how to think. They also taught me group behavior, not individualistic behavior. Now that is what training does. Training, training teaches you to operate against the best interests of your own group. It teaches you individual behavior rather than group behavior. Education is a liberating force, a liberating force. So I'm gonna go through quickly some of the things on why you should learn the skills. And nothing I say, I hope, nothing I say will imply that we are not faced with a very shrewd, very shrewd, uncompromising, dangerous enemy. Don't ever, don't ever take it in your mind that these white people are going to be easy to be had. It ain't going to be true. This is a hard fight because they have the institution and we have the people. You see, and as long as you control institutions, you can control the behavior of people. Now, with that, with that in mind, listen to, listen to it carefully. The first lesson, the very first lesson you must learn as students is that the most, the fundamental mistake you can make is to try to use white definitions to explain or analyze black phenomena. That's the first mistake you make. And anytime you use their definitions that are given to you, you're in trouble. Now the second lesson, the second lesson I go against Harold here, I do not think you should tell your white professors nothing. I do not think you should argue with them. I don't think you should do anything. I think you should accept the skills they get and go about those. I know you're black professors either. Your objective of being at Atlanta Junior College is to acquire skills and get out and go on to more houses there for more. The reason you're in school is to get a degree. Yes, playing cards and all that. That's mental sour behavior. Mental sour behavior. Let me tell you something that, that, that Sister Gwen Rockwell and Brother Naive can tell you. They used to bring me down here every year. Uh, most of the time I had to pay my way, but they still brought me. Uh, they used to bring me down every year to talk to the combined uh, students over at uh, Mohouse, AU, and all like that. And in fact, we got all these black students who say, oh, Dr. Wright, we crazy about you. Why don't you come south and take over in these schools? You know what I used to tell them, and I say this clearly. I have a great deal of admiration for these black teachers working in these schools. I, you, know, you think I have it bad in the middle of health at least I know I'm dealing with people who are crazy. I mean, you know, at least I know that. You know what I mean? I just realized that. You know, I mean, I'm not annoyed. I don't mean that to be funny. I really don't mean that to be but Believe me. I know a lot of school, students have come to me now and say, hey, we read your stuff and all, but let me tell you something. If I came to Atlanta and took over school, the first day here, I would send half the black students home. Half black students would go home. I really, and, I, I would, and it wouldn't be hard for me to find out who I was going to send home. Well, just walk through the halls and do things. I know exactly who's going home. Right then. The second day, I'll send half the black faculty home. Yes. You see what I'm talking about? The third day, I'll send all the black administrators home. Oh. You know, uh, 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 uh. And, 
And then we'll be about the business of, of teaching. Because I swear, I see people, I see students doing stuff to black people, black adults I've never seen before. I'm very serious about this. Okay, let's go through it. Here's what we're going to go through. I'm going to go through with you something you might not have seen before. But every time, by being over this very large agency, we have, and by the way, we train AU students. We train students, I'm talking give them now field placement. We give uh, the internships to people from Harry. We train them. We give uh, from Howard University a train at Garfield Park. We train uh, people. But one of the things that happen invariably is that you students, or students come in and say, yeah, Bobby, uh, fraud is nothing, young, ain't had it, never had, da-da-da. And I said, fine. And they're not relevant to the black experience. I said, can you tell me why? Let me show you why. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to take something random because these are what I call mental solids. Program. These are mental theorists. These are mental modalities. And invariably, what you try to do is take these and treat black people. And it never works. Remember, remember, the ultimate objective of mental health in this country is to get black folks to adjust. To adjust. Some of the sickest black people I know, remember, I do not call people niggas. I do not call them toms. I never use that word. I never use that word, and you shouldn't. That's the first thing you should stop and just throw it out of your vocabulary. We, we have a right to have sick people like everybody else. And we should begin to differentiate between what's appropriate behavior and inappropriate behavior without getting into the name calling and all like that. Now, it's to adjust and remember, remember the definitional, I told you, remember that definitional warning I told you. Let's take a theory. Let's take a theory of uh, Maslow. All of you heard Maslow, so blacks like it, so I'm sure where else it goes from. Maslow had a theory called self-actualization. So all you remember, okay, first you have to fulfill, here's the, here's the, here's the way it's the model. This is the model. Uh, first, food, water, sex. Sex here is for procreation of the species. These basic needs must be met first. This is Maslow, but you all are trained, many of you are trained, because from this came transactional analysis, came curls, I'll go into it in a minute. Uh, the next one is safety. That's the next level. Safety. That's the next level. The third level, the third level is self-esteem. Fourth level is love. And then self-actualization. That's the Maslow model. Give or take a line. That's the Maslow model. Right you should see clearly here. You should clearly, clearly, if you try to apply, no matter how good it sounds, this theory to the black experience or to trying to treat black right away, we have problems getting food and water. Sex doesn't give you a problem yet, but women get No, 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 it might be. Let me tell you about that. We have problems all three of these. Let me tell you why we have all three of these. Now remember, these are the hierarchy of needs. Maslow take a position that in order to be a healthy, functioning individual, you must have you must secure these needs and, uh, needs and go here. A hierarchy of needs must be met. If that is true, we ain't never been safe in this country. <laughs> if that be true, if that be true, you can see right away, and I'm not teaching you all this so that you can go up and tell your professor that. What I'm saying to you is this is the way you do analysis. But in order to do analysis, you must first know it. You cannot analyze something you don't know. And we've been in this country 400 years and know nothing about it. That's a tragedy. That's a mental side. That is a, that's it, and I'll talk about just a little bit about it. Okay, now, then, so what, look at what else Maslow said. He said, no, if you cannot do these things, no, certainly you cannot have self-esteem. And without self-esteem, you cannot what? Love. Love. Now, let me, let me show you here, sex. 
for the appropriation. How all of this ties in it? No, out of this, of course, out of this, what you call sort of non-directed counseling, came French pearls that all you all have up on your wall. I'm not in this world to satisfy you. You're not in this world to satisfy me. You do your thing. I do mine. And we happen to crawl somewhere beautiful. You know, that same old BS they got us all doing this individual stuff. You don't tell me what to do. I don't tell you what you do. You know, and all of that. And we're the only people that engage in that type of behavior. We're the freest people in this country in that respect. We're, we're individuals. You can do anything you want to, and the black community cannot sanction you. In one sense, we're the freest people in this country. No Jew can do anything he wants to against the Jews. No Irish can do anything he wants to against God. But any black can get up here and say and do anything they want to and we cannot sanction them. Take that in mind. But I'm talking about it and I'm going, I'm going, like I said, we have to go because I know we got a lot of questions. Uh, now, the section now becomes a problem here because, as you know, many of you have heard me talk about this day, but you should understand this. Today, in 1980, the group with the largest suicide rate in the nation are young black males, 17 to 33. Largest suicide group. The group with the largest suicide level. The group with the largest homicide rate, young black males, 17 to 33, killing themselves, killing each other. The group with the largest institutional rate, that means going into mental hospital and the prisons, young black males, 17 to 33. Now, let me tell you the significance of that. The significance of that is this. The significance of, of that, well, let me go one step up. Now, when you raise the question of homosexuality, which means you're now also talking about the ratio of what? Males, black males to black females. Sex becomes now a problem here. Now, well, even, and I'm talking about the way they use it for procreation, for procreational purposes. And if we look at some of the, if we look at some of the, uh, some of the statistics about that, which I, uh, at, at 14 and under, at age 14 and under in the black community, for every 100 black females, there are 102 black males. From 14 and under, at the age of 14 and under, for every 100 female, black females, there are 102 black males. However, from the ages 14 to 24, for every 100 black females, you have 96 males. And then from 25 to 44, for every 100 females, you have 84 black males. 84 black males. Now, when you take into account the institutional rate alone, for example, let me give you an example of that. For every 100,000 black men, for every 100,000 white men, 105 in prison. Every 100,000 white men, 105 in prison. For every 100,000 black men, 1,004 in prison. 1,004. For every 100,000 black men, yet we are less than 15% of the population. All right. Now, if you begin to look at those ratios, then you have to project during the child-bearing ages, how many functional black men are there for each 100 black women? And you run into some statistics of, say, less than 55 Let's look at that. Now, given this reality, given this reality, these are the type of problems I'm saying to you that you as a student must begin to look, let's look at the other things again. So what they're saying is okay. Here's what they're saying now to us. They're saying, those of you who are making it, those of you who have PhD from the University of Chicago and the head of mental health centers, you got it made. It's a class struggle now. Class. And what is we all know which they care. See what happened in the 60s 
why we lost the battle in the 60s, and why you never hear nobody talk about the 70s. How many of you people here talk about the 70s? Nobody. Everybody's a boy in the 60s. And here we are in the 80s. Here are nobody talk. Because in the 70s, those whites regrouped and wiped us out. You see, here's what happened. White women saw their men in trouble. And like all female animals, anytime the male gets in trouble, the female will attack. That is a law of nature. A law of nature. If you don't believe it, we can prove it in a zoo anytime you want to. <laughs> now, what happened, white women came out and captured our women and convinced us that white women were not as racist as white men and convinced us, or convinced our women, that they would place them above their husbands, their brothers, their lovers, their children, their sons, and we Then the white gays came out and convinced our gays it was a gay struggle. <laughs> and stole our gays, you know. Okay? White students came out and grabbed our black students, said it was a student struggle, and wiped out our black students. And all of a sudden, we have been wondering, where's the fight? You know what I mean? You know, it, it, it's not a black... So now they're coming up with books such as, book is The Declining Significance of Race. Brother named Wilson wrote that book, who is the chairperson of the Department of Sociology at the University of Chicago. That's very revealing. Because out of that same department came who? Came who? Black bourgeoisie. E. Franklin Frazier in 1939. That is the Chicago school where you show. So what, what, what Wilson is saying, this brother wrote this book, The Declining Significance of the Race. The race is declining in significance, and now class becomes important. Of course, Wilson is the only black in the Department of Sociology at the University of Chicago. That's one reality. The other reality, he has a white wife. Now, race declines every night for him. You know, and, and look, I mean, that's what it's all about. to develop. And that's what all these conferences should be back. And keep that in mind. The only reason I go around the country is to begin to develop a black social theory. A black social theory. <coughs> now, we, this is the problem we have. Why we are in all this problem? Because one of the things that happened to your generation that didn't happen to me and to everybody else who's at my age is when I was growing up, the black community rewarded those people who tried to get an education. Rewarded them. Now we are anti-intellectual anti-educational, and completely historical. Don't pay any attention to history. So what they do to us is they're our brightest black men. Look, these are our brightest brothers and sisters. They grab through their social theories. One is twelve. Marxism. Marxism. That's the danger to all of our black people. That's class theory. Class. Now let's, let's talk about, let's do Marx just like we did in Maslow. Let's do it, quickly. Marx said basically there are two classes of people. The one he called what? The ruling class the other he calls the what? Proletarian. Proletarian. Two classes. And the relationship between these two classes is the production of what? Means of production. This relationship. And the ruling class' sole reason to exist is for profit. Profit. And in order to make more profit, they would have to exploit this group of people. Marx went even further. He said, 
said, just by time, time alone, you don't need any intervention, just time alone means that officers of the proletariat would have to overthrow the ruling class in order to survive. Because the more profit the ruling class wanted, the, uh, made, the more they would want, the more exploitation of the class. But he said something else. He said that if you had people who understood the science of capital, the science of the, what he was talking about, Marxism, you could then raise the contradiction, artificially raise the contradiction between the That's the word raising the contradiction. It's about those slogans that the Panthers use and then understand. That you could raise the contradiction between these two groups and induce revolution. Ah, but see, Marx lived in 1848. And Marx didn't know that this proletariat here was going to see called what? Unions. And guess what unions are for? Fuck! <laughs> so you got two damn group of white folks fighting over profit. Okay, now, blacks are not in the ruling class or in the unions, believe it or not. The blacks are what Marx called what? The lumping proletariat. Now, the Panthers, and I'm not just picking no Panthers, many of them are my students who are opted to uh, not stay in the struggle for race and did it for class and ass. But, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 the thing about this, the thing about this here is that what even, the, even the Panthers start calling us what? Lumping. The lumping proletariat. Get what Marx said about the lumping proletariat. Marx stated that the lumping proletariat was not a potential revolutionary force. So even Marx said that. So because they're what? They're not me, they're not part of the means of what? Production. So if we so if you admit that we are lumping proletariat, you cannot say you're a Marxist. Not as a black person unless you need my professional services. You can't, I mean, we simply can't do that. We can. We can. I tell you, we know Naeem and I, we got this thing going. I always say, the one contradiction in the black community, and I'm very serious about this. I know stuff I sound say sound funny, I'm very serious about it, is that we have no contradictions. That's the one contradiction. There are no contradictions in the black community. And that is because, again, the thing I'm talking about, mental side. Let me, let me move, move on here. Okay, so that takes care of Mark. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, let, let's, talk, let's talk about Freud just for a minute. Uh, see, see, Freud, uh, I think you all should study Freud. Study Freud, because see, Freud took the position that there were differences between blacks and whites, and he didn't put no, no type of value on it. He put the value on the Europeans. Here's what Freud says, and says it clearly, read him clearly. He said that the white race, he was very clear about it, very clear, the Europeans, he wrote it very clearly. And he had wrote all about Africans, that Africans seem to have a different type of personality. He said the Europeans are motivated by two genetically determined irrational drives, namely sexuality, Sexuality and aggression, which he calls the death instinct and the life instinct, and constant value. And Marx said, since these, things, since these are genetically determined traits, that they have two genetically determined traits, sexuality and aggression, that society had to be developed in order to set certain roots, in order to set certain type of conditions to keep these two natural drives, natural drives of whites, from spontaneous, do what? From spontaneous, spontaneous expressing themselves, therefore threatening the life, the, the, the uh, threat, threatening the species. You know that clearly. And that is why if you do, if you try to expose black folks to analysis, analysis 
really means, that's what he meant. You have to, see, it's only about four things you can do to a person in therapy. Just for those of you who want to go on, I hope you do. Because this is fight for the mind. I'm just giving you the, only about four things you can do. One thing you can do for blacks in a, in a mental health center, anywhere else, in, here, in this room, is that you can leave them alone. I mean, that's the first thing. And many of them be better left alone. No. You know, better left, leave alone. Second thing you can do, however, is to do what? Give them support. Give them very support. Give them support in such a way because what they're doing is need certain of your professional skills to, to give them support. The third thing you can do, of course, is you can, re, or you can re-educate. You can re-educate means that their learning patterns, the way they address themselves to their life is, you know, is, uh, is inappropriate and you, you re-educate. The fourth thing is possibly you might be able to do, and that's when Freudian psychology came in, psychoanalysis, is completely restructure the personality. Literally give the person a new personality. And so I'll throw Freud to the position that Europeans would have to be sent through psychoanalysis in order to try to, to contain these natural drives. Now, right away, you don't have to be no genius to understand that these are natural drives, how difficult it is. So when you see what, 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 what Harold was talking about, it's somewhat in error. This is what is so difficult. See, what you are and all of us can fail to believe is there's some inconsistency with white people's theory and their practice. It is really not. It is really not. Now we get to your other one that all of you Okay, that's Freudian. You can question me in depth. That's Freudian psychology. You learn it well enough and get a PhD in, any, in almost any country, in any university in this country, if you learn it well enough. If you learn it well enough. See, the whole process of getting through universities in this country is expended effort. Expended effort. Listen, that's all. And medical school is the easiest. Everybody's raving over more houses in medical school. Do you know what a black doctor does? He's a slave. Our black doctors are some of the most dysfunctional people you want to see. They never come out of those clinics. They come into their offices every day and hear 200 women, a gynecologist, hear 200 sisters looking at them. And believe it or not, they do not treat those, they do not treat those, those illnesses that they scream in. They treat the sister. And you can, I'm just showing you, this is another lesson. I'm, I'm, I'm off Marxism now. I'm, I'm going in to talk to you about medicine. And next time you go to your physician, do this for me. Watch and see don't they follow this pattern. First they take you in a little room and you begin to get ready, be prepped by a nurse for the doctor. And you can hear him coming. Literally hear him coming towards you. And the most he spends with anybody is 10 minutes, if that. And as he comes in, he's going through his business. How are you? If you knew, why the hell would you be there? <laughs> I mean, you know, oh, this and that and this and that. And all the time touching you and feeling you and, oh, yeah, you know, and writing the same prescriptions for you he wrote, wrote for the flat of the five. But let me tell you, what he's doing, he's treating the person. And that's very important. Because there's no way, if you stop to think about it, there's no way anyone, if you see one medical book, that's it. It's impossible to comprehend everything in that one book. But you see, what well, my point I'm telling you as students, don't let that deter you. If you get and can think at all, you need two things to get through medical school. Two things. You need the capacity to study and a good memory. The capacity to sit for long periods of time and read garbage and regurgitate it. That's all. That's all, that, that's all medical school. In fact, medical school to me is the easiest school. Psychology, if you really, let me tell you about psychology, I'm going to go on that you all don't know. Let me just go through some of my experience. One time I walked into a clinic, I did my training at the University of Chicago Medical School. I walked into this room, and brother sitting there, 
This is over 10 years ago. Brother sitting there hooked up to a machine. I'm mean, not hooked up from the head, like somebody from Mars. Hooked up. And, you know, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and, uh, and the nurse was sitting there uh, because it was intensive care. I said, what the hell? You know, uh, well, I thought I knew everything about the brain, you know, me and my Arab himself. So I thought I knew everything about the brain, like many of you think you know everything they just know it at 18. So, uh, you know, uh, and so, you know, and so what happened was, this was, this was electrical stimulation of the brain. That's how I stumbled into the electrical stimulation, just stumbled in there. I'd been reading about it. I knew almost everything about it, but when I saw it, I didn't recognize it. That's my only point. The other thing is that, uh, I'm just showing you what psychology is not what you all think it is. It's not giving people in there. There's another guy named Osgood, you're very so Become very important now. I do a lot of work with computers, but he came up with a theory called this, called grit. They called it grit at the Pentagon. Graduated reciprocal initiative attention reduction. What our good has done, what our, and it is, he's been done it. A, it is, he's done it a long time ago. But what he has done, he decided to develop to treat countries like you do a personality, like you do an individual. That treat the entire country like you do an individual. And the Pentagon uses it. What it means is graduated reciprocal initiative. It means what they're doing with Iran right now. What they're doing with Iran right now, it follows Osborne Law. A psychologist developed that. That's a Then we have, of course, which I think is probably one of the most, one of the five most dangerous craft in the world. That's Scammer. Scammer. I don't care what Scammer wrote. <laughs> and y'all just think he's talking about him and him. <laughs> he wrote these eight words, and listen to him carefully, write them down, and look at them every morning. <laughs> Those are eight more profound words. Saying Skinner wrote that behavior is shaped and maintained by its consequences. Listen carefully. That's why he wrote Beyond Freedom and Dignity. What Beyond Freedom and Dignity did with that was all of these black folks are talking about they want freedom and they want dignity. If you listen to them carefully, we can give them what they want and still control them. The was that they would induce blacks to begin to do birth control, become sterilized by making the consequences money, money. By saying to black people, if you do this, if you become sterilized at a certain age, we'll give you so much money. We'll give you so much money. Now, don't, don't argue that because see, something I think, uh, again, we are, we are led to believe. We have been led to believe, and this is where the mental side, mental side is those who got it on the wall around it. And uh, when I walk down the hall, don't identify me. Don't say, hey, Bobby. Uh, I want these white folks to know that my name's up on that wall that y'all got around here. Mental side is defined as the, system, the deliberate and systematic destruction of a group's mind with the ultimate aim, the ultimate objective being the extirpation or the extermination of that group. That's mental side. This deliberate and systematic destruction of a group's mind. A group's mind with the ultimate objective being the extermination of that group. And so if you begin to look at what Skinner and all of these, and I'm talking to you because most of you are psychologists too, this is what psychology really means. Anytime you see things on TV, psychologists have had something to do with it in terms of advertising. 
Anytime you see those projections on who's going to win an election, the moment that CBS at 6 o'clock at CBS and the polls close, psychologists worked out those statistical formulas. In this particular society, who wants to see us exactly where we are. We cannot let that point elude us. These are the facts. How do we know? 1967, Kerner Commission report on urban disorder. When black people said, yo, we're tired of this system. We said, yo, we, we had enough. What motivating them was a high self-esteem and an enhanced racial pride. This is a public announcement, an open letter to who the fuck it may concern. It could be you or your boys or either. Some psychotic feminist bitches in front of the Vatican's fences. Stripping, fucking themselves with crucifixes. Sickness is apparently now the way of the world. Alistair Crowley's ghost be mostly y'all. Kill, do as thou will, this shall be the whole of the law. Chill, pop a few pills, so putting pops, rape a few bronze. Hey, I'm just saying, more the K incorporate control, making the prophecy unfold. As told, all the glitter that ain't gold has been sold and bought. A few souls it costs, the new slaves are boss. It seems all for naught, for Jesus to walk with me. But that one should go to Beyonce. They go from church to church, men making halls of earth. You can sell your soul of flesh, so long as you do it fresh. Just forget it, these niggas don't get it. MC trouble me, and he spit it, gon' get it. Oh, you niggas gon' see, I got the gift, I'm gon' give it. I'm a G-O-D, oh shit, they done did it. Might as well just forget it, these niggas don't get it. MC trouble me, and he spit it, gon' get it. Oh, you niggas gon' see, I got the gift, I'm gon' give it. I'm a G-O-D, oh shit, they done did it. Whoever the nigga that said hip-hop culture was dead Need to be speaking for me like he need a hole in his head Maybe a hole in his head Could separate this godson from his holy ghost Prostitutes for prophets, putting prophets over prophets Niggas stop it It might be psychologic how these white bitches be problems For these so-called conscious rhymers Who defend them when they violate Give them passes to be irate Culture bandits up in my space Understand me clear when I say bitch you won't be licking my face And you won't be saying nigga like it's okay on your Twitter Certain shit y'all don't consider when you pop that mind with her. This is the bitch who yell rape in an attempt to save face When gentlemen from her race find out she done fucked some nigga Yep, she say it was a nigga when her brother's uncle daddy Rape and violate her badly when her worried mother asked historically She ain't admit it, she just said some nigga did it Bonneville, just forget it, these niggas don't get it MC trouble me and he spit it, gon' get it Oh, you niggas gon' see, I got the gift, I'm gon' give it I'm a G-O-D, oh shit, they done did it Might as well just forget it, these niggas don't get it MC Trouble me and he spit it, gon' get it. Oh, you niggas gon' see. I got the gift, I'm gon' give it. I'm a G-O-D. Oh shit, they done did it. It's about time I conclude the matter. Defuse the data when we use the matter. Black lives attacked by the empire, but rappers exclude the chapter that explains the process of how this occurred. Major labels deny them finance for my stance, so why chance the one chance you might have to prosper or get to appear at the Oscar for some that's common sense? Uh-oh, heads up, cause I'm dropping some shit, but they know I've been dropping conscious shit ever since. Before when CNN took interest in protest, when no less than top 10 were options for copping some conscious rap content, when conscious was sponsored by men with a conscience for stopping the violence when you'd see PRT, Ice Cube, BDP, the X-Clan, Too Short, Same Stage, Same Tour, FCC, Michael Powell gave power to the channel for consolidation of radio stations across our nation into one corporation.
corporation plus the 50 corporations record labels newspapers film production companies tv book publishing every major magazine people harper's weekly time were condensed into five disney warner viacom news corp Bertels men in the hands of five men rupert murdoch richard parsons some know some the red stone couple causes michael eisner german reinhard moe now their views are infused in the mainstream news their beliefs are deployed you're convinced that they're Bonneville, yours Bonneville, just forget it these niggas don't get it mc trouble me and he spit it gon' get it oh you niggas gon' see i got the gift i'm gon' give it i'm a g-o-d all shit they done get it might as well just forget it these niggas don't get it mc trouble me and he spit it gon' get it oh you niggas gon' see i got the gift i'm gon' give it i'm a g-o-d all shit they done did it 92 the, the racial pride was back in effect we were spending our money to go see Farrakhan speak as opposed to going to a strip club. This is where we were. We were motivating children towards positive attitudes and lifestyles. See, uh, back in uh, 1925, um, uh, what's his name, who was uh, one of the first behaviorists who they caught um, on, the on the top of a desk with a student um, and, and, and fired him. Uh, what's his name? He said, give me any... Give me any student, any child, and I'll make it whatever I want. Watson, who was the first bit. Watson, when they fired him from the University of Chicago, what Watson did went and started J. Walker Thompson's advertising agency, a psychologist. He became the largest in the world. You see, I'm saying to you, when you start talking about psychology, it's one thing you might hear this narrow thing here at junior college. It's another thing altogether for whites. It was a psychologist who started what is now the CIA. Only it was called then OSS in the Second World War. Before the Second World War, the United States didn't have that type of arm, that type of intelligence arm. I'm just showing you that what, 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 how much you have to learn. And don't let anybody fool you and this feel you in that is irrelevant. Because you're talking about people's minds. You're talking about influencing people. In fact, you're talking about determining their very existence. And as Harold said, I said, yes, I do say that. If you control minds, you control behind. So I don't care what people say. And so one of the problems we have, so in, in, in moving on to this, let me, let me just give you a couple other things that you should look at um, about this. Now, if we look, if we look at a student, or we look at a university, it becomes very clear, Atlanta University, Atlanta Junior College system here, that one of the realities is our condition. And this is where blacks sort of get confused. This is where we get confused. Our true condition. One of our true conditions is oppression, exploited, women are exploited, da 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 No, 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 no. We are what? Enslaved. 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 And the reason we're enslaved is because all of our life-sustaining institutions are controlled by whites. That's slavery. That's slavery. I will guarantee you, there's nobody in this room can tell me where, the, where you turn your water on it or where you turn your lights off at. I ain't talking about in your house. Because they can turn your lights off without even coming in your house. All of our life-sustaining institutions are controlled by another group. That is slavery. That is slavery. Now, I'm not telling you all, you all of this to, to depress you. You know what I mean? You know, I'm talking about because you keep hearing this type of stuff, and I believe that we are stronger than other group of people. Well, we have been led to believe that we are super people. We are not super people. We are simply just not utilizing, utilizing the appropriate methods to address this problem. Most of the time, they get us because we personalize it. We personalize it because we have a, good, a white friend. Uh, what are you talking about? Whites treat me better than blacks. 
Hardy ripped off my TV last night. You know, uh, 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 we equate ripping off a TV with ripping off your mother. You know, now, let me give you an example. I was just talking about it, but this might be the first time y'all have heard it, but I was at the uh, social workers' convention Friday in Washington. Some of us were here. Some of these students were here, too, from here. And I was pointing out that on the plane, the day before that, a sister I talked to some black students in Chicago, and a student had pointed out that a sister stood up and said, well, you're talking about these black men and black women. What about this? And told me that Kareem Jabbar had divorced his wife and is now living with this 23-year-old white girl. Kareem Jabbar. Y'all know Abdul Kareem Jabbar, the mad, mad militant, you know. I get Sports Illustrated, this is by Sports Illustrated, 10 pages of Jabbar and this white girl. 10 pages. And this 33-year-old man says that this young girl has taught him more than his parents, more than his teachers, more than his coaches, more than his trainers, all in the space of two nights. You didn't hear about uh, 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 uh. I mean, you know, uh, you know, what I'm suggesting here, no, no, what I'm suggesting here, that if you look at this, here's some, and I'm, I'm clearing up because I want to get into the question now. Here's the thing we're going to look at that are threatening. Here's the most threatening thing, yes. Harold got into it about black and African. The question becomes, what is a black person? Now, we've been having some deep arguments about this over the country, deep discussions about this around the country, quietly. But one of the problems is, and this is one of the problems, see, back in the 60s, one of my students was Fred Hampton, used to ask me, interrupt my class all the time, because we had these free classes, and called a community university. And he said, why are we like we are? Why is history demanding too much of us? That was his famous thing. Why are black folks like we are? Is history demanding? And I used to tell him that, you know, and I'm going back to that now because I've gotten too far from it. It's very simple. We are in a race war. And we are the only ones who don't know it. <laughs> Not only are we the only ones who don't know it, we don't want to even know what race we are. Seriously, you know, don't laugh about it. We are in a race war and we refuse to accept it. All the statistics Jenny gave you, why do black just happen to show up? Why do black just happen to show up like this I just gave you? It just happened that way. Every time you look up, everywhere you go all over the world, black's on the bottom and white's on top. It just happens that way. Hell, if it was just happening by saying, look, it defies every known law of probability that exists. The laws of probability state that if it was not color, somewhere in this world, somewhere in this world, you'll find black folks over whites. Somewhere in this world. Use your own textbook. The law of probability, that they tell you science is objective and neutral. Then apply it to the black condition and watch how it go haywire. <laughs> Goes crazy. Apply that same scientific methodology that you are learning here to the black condition and explain it to me. No, 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 no. Science is not objective and it's not neutral. The way you develop science is two of us get together and say, look, this is going to be white. Okay? This is going to be black. You know, and if you don't accept it, I'll kill you. You know, uh, uh, I mean... That becomes science. Oh, if you don't accept it, you get kicked out of school. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, I, and I always tell this, forgive me, I always tell this famous one about, I'm just throwing some things out. You see what you do is, let me tell you a trick. Here's a trick. If you really believe everything I'm saying, like many of you probably do, it's crazy. Take the position that I'm not crazy and truthful. If you really believe white people are not like I say they are, take the position that they are and prove it. 
That's called, by the way, the noble prophets. You know, you know that's, 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 the, that's the way I'm doing things. In other words, I'm saying to you, the one way forward and the danger we're finding now is that I go around the country, brothers and sisters coming up, man, I read and I heard you, and Bobby, you said this. I don't need for you to tell me what I said. What do you say? Right. <laughs> we need you to begin to think. We really need you to begin to think. No one has ever asked us to think before. Think about that. Think about it. No one's ever asked us to think about anything. In fact, we have been told all that. Who told you to think? <laughs> Who asked you to think? <laughs> you see, that is a type of mental side. But anyway, I'm saying to you that, okay, if we look at it, if we begin to look at that, just that one thing about the racial, the racial question, about the fact that science, science, I always tell this about how you can influence people no matter what they see. Let me tell you how you can do it. I always tell a story about Notre Dame. It's the best example I know. Notre Dame about five years ago had five black boys playing for them. Five on the basketball team. Five playing for them. And Notre Dame was losing. And it was on TV. And as Notre Dame was losing, all of a sudden they started winning. And the, the opposing team went down the floor, shot a ball, and Notre Dame, the brother, grabbed it. And started a fast break. And the announcer, who was pro-Irish, Notre Dame went crazy. Here come the Irish. Here come the Irish. Here come the Irish. Five black boys coming down the court. Five black boys coming down the court, and then yelling Irish. Here come the Irish. Now, your mind accepts that. Your mind don't even see any contradiction in that. Any contradiction. I always say to sister, sister always say, see these black men are nothing because look at these all these white girls together. But guess what? Ninety percent of the white women in the black community, the black women brought them in there. Mm. They're friends from the work, and they're all of that up, because you can't go to that community. <laughs> Let's stop by Pascal's for a drink. <laughs> and she goes in there and wipes out Pascal. I ain't gonna bring her back. You know, you gotta worry about it. See, Memphis side. The same thing Wilson brings out all the time. Brothers who marry white people, or sisters who marry white people, do never choose the person they marry. They never choose them. They are always chosen. Now, if you don't want to believe that, I'll prove the end of it. Any brother who disproved that, let's go to downtown Atlanta right now. Pick out the white girl you want to walk up to and say, I want you. <laughs> <laughs> well, just do that. Now, any sister can walk up. She might say, F you and walk on the way. But you ain't going to walk up no white girl and say, hey, you look nice. No, no. Always you are chosen. You are chosen. You see what I'm talking about? This natural, this simple thing. You know how to get real complex, but see, it, it, ain't, it is so simple. It is so simple. Now let me get to the final thing, and then I'm going to give you some, some suggestions. We keep believing that somehow black people in this country are in a very poor condition. Do you realize that black people in this country probably have a standard of living higher than 95% of the world's population? Do you know that? As bad as office we are. In other words, the black gross national product is larger, is the seventh largest one in the world in this country. That means the money all of us earn and all collectively. It's the seventh largest economy in the world. In fact, it's right behind India. India has $2 billion more than we do. $3 billion. They get 60, 62, top 59. India is two, is two, is, is three billion ahead of us, but India has 500 million people. We have 30 or less. 30 million people 
and, and, and a gross national product of what? Of $59 billion. Okay, now, another lesson. Blacks keep insisting these simple things that do not stand up on the end investigation. That is, that white people will do anything for money. And now all you all, y'all you choosing up. I already got condition of that. Right? It's not, it's not race. They'll do anything for money. Because that, if it's to their advantage to do it for money, well, listen carefully. Have you ever stopped to think that white folks print money? <laughs> Did that ever cross your mind? Do you all think that dollar just grows up on your pillow? <laughs> they print that money. They print it. Not only do they print that money, there are six little white boys in London who every day says, uh, well, I think the dollar will be worth 35 cents a day. <laughs> Let's make it 69 tomorrow. Let's play hell with silver. Bought eight today and six dollars tomorrow. You all really believe silver? Some men are not making a decision on how much silver is worth? That's it. That's the power. To define money. Not money itself. We don't do anything for money. We don't do anything for that little money. And guess what? At one time, believe it or not, we were money. I'll give you three blacks for what? That equal land. They made us money. Even this analysis about, you know, about unemployment. Everybody said, well, the problem is unemployment. It's too many of us unemployed. Listen to me carefully. If we really, if you really want full black employment, let us get about something. See, I contend that just because you're unemployed don't mean you should be out of work. You see what I'm talking about? Just because you don't have no job, that's a lot of work for you to do. If we ever get that mentality, they'll give us jobs. Right. <laughs> yeah, you believe it. Do you realize how much brain power is sitting around watching as the world turns without us? You know what I mean? Can you, you know what I mean? Do you understand that all of this brain power? Do you know they allow you to sit up here and go to school? That's how arrogant they are in, in lights. Look here. Look here. Look here. I mean, look at it. Think about this for the first time. Look how arrogant they are. Let us come in here together. Listen to that fool by the right. What are you doing? So what? Do you believe, have you ever thought of that? How arrogant they are? Let us come together. No, they ain't nothing going to happen. No, they ain't come together. And we keep having these conferences. <laughs> keep having them. And nothing happens, so they keep having them. When they become, I'll tell you something. I will know, and you will know, when this becomes relevant. They'll stop it. They'll stop it. This one might be stopped soon. But anyway, uh, 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 uh. The streets raise me crazy. God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit. It's the world that I live in. Y'all niggas can't touch us. It's the world that I live in. You feel what I feel, you know the deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. The streets raise me crazy. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit. Deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. It get deeper than rap music. Deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. Chasers, nature rapers, innocent sitting in prayer slayers, racial haters, germ creators, third world populace, the populators, exploitators, people slavers, confederate battle flag hatred waivers, great debaters, pseudo saviors, eloquent orators, but the wrong shit sayers, Timothy Taylor, true in jail, product of the same fucking streets that raise you, opposition to the system put in place to degrade you, my position was conditioned by the rich 
slave makers, culture appropriators, vultures from middle ages, enemy image painters in the holy book pages, fuck your sages, integrators, every black apologist and capitulator, Dylan Roof embraces, reach your makers, to the victims that forgive them, you can thank me later, hate me haters, make me famous, you don't understand how fucking accurate my aim is, I can make it painless, I'm poetically dangerous, five rounds, hundred yards, check the minutes of angle, that's a single inch grouper, loophole user, fuck a hot rhyme spitter, I'm an active shooter, do ya, it's the world that I live in, the streets raise me crazy, do ya, it's the world that I live in, God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit, do ya, it's the world that I live in, y'all niggas can't touch it, do ya, it's the world that I live in, you feel what I feel, do ya, it's the world that I live in, the streets raise me crazy, do ya, it's the world that I live in, God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit, do ya, it's the world that I live in, it get deeper than rap music, do ya, it's the world that I live in, Heavenly Father, life's a bitch Forgive me for the sin that I'm about to commit Forgive me for the men that the hollow points hit They will soon stand before you cause they didn't repent The souls of oppressors are the ones that I send Women, children, and men with the gun that I spent Sunday morning cleaning, trying not to commit To the righteous indignation, taking root from within The justice seekers, commandment keepers Racially profiled, how the beast police us Chain and beat us, same when we was Entrapped, kidnapped, maimed and breed it Claimed and deeded, names deleted Lynch, whip, fuck this, aim and squeeze it Let it bang and bleed and for a gang of reasons Make them all believers in the name of Jesus When I aim these heaters, free releases Bullets like names, addresses, or pleaders Dodge and weave them, hide and seek them While Pinkney preaching, yeah, that ought to teach him I can make it painless, I'm poetically dangerous Five rounds, hundred yards, check the minutes of angle Single inch grouper, loophole user You're a hot rhyme spitter, I'm an active shooter Yo, the deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in The streets raise me crazy, do ya, it's the world that I live in God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in Y'all niggas can't touch it, know the deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in You feel what I feel, know the deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in The streets raise me crazy, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in It get deeper than rap music, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in You feel what I feel, know the deal, that I live in. Can't even trust the girls that I've been in Shot a pussy might be a nigga ending During warfare, whoever said warfare When my enemy use every tendency Every industry just to get rid of me When do we adopt asymmetry? Showing one thing publicly While the other team poisoning everything undercoverly My queen's so motherly But I guarantee she will shoot your shit up Told my family, kiss and keep your chin up Cause when I leave my gate, shit could kick up May be the last day they get to kiss us Cause the system is decidedly against us The consensus, bullies on bitch shit When you're defenseless, riding on my bike Praying in a church, walking home with Skittles Listening to music with my peoples Are all men really created equal? You shouldn't give a fuck how they see you Man up and defend what you need to I beseech you, stop being victims whenever you choose to Walk with the Ruger or walk into an active shooter Yo, the deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in The streets raise me crazy, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in Y'all niggas can't touch it, know the deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in You feel what I feel, know the deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in The streets raise me crazy, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in It get deeper than rap music, deal, do ya, it's the world that I live in What I feel, you know the deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. The streets raise me crazy, deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit, deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. Y'all niggas can't touch it, know the deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. You feel what I feel, you know the deal. Do ya? It's the world that I live in. The streets raise me crazy, deal. Do ya? 
It's the world that I live in. God forgive me for the sin I'm about to commit. Deal with it, do ya? It's the world that I live in. It get deeper than rap music. Deal with it, do ya? It's the world that I live in. You feel what I feel? You the deal? You the deal? All right, everybody. That was part one of Dr. Bobby E. Wright, The Man and His Mission. This episode has featured sounds from The Force. And the song was My Brother's Keeper, instrumental. From his EP, My Brother's Keeper with Double Edge. And Wise Intelligent from his album, Wise Intelligent is Stevie Bonneville Wallace. Back to school, fourth period. The tracks were This Space, They Don't Get It, and Active Shooter, You Know the Deal. Links to featured music are in our show notes, as always. Also, we know that you are going to pick up Dr. Bobby Wright's book because you just heard him speak, and I'm sure you want to learn more about his theories. So, it is also linked in our show notes and in our library on the site. And don't forget, when you visit us at conscientization101.com or c101magazine.com, sign up to our mailing list for exclusive information and downloads. Hit up our store, pick up an unabridged interview or two, pick up a few musical commentaries and a shirt. Support 100% independent media so we can continue to learn from each other. Also, don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Conscien1, that's C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N and the number one on Facebook at Conscientization101 and Instagram at C101 Editors. And until next time, when we come back with part two, we are out. Peace. Conscientization 101.